do that. Is that the new intro? <laughs> it could be. It could be. Here we go. Graham, I don't hate Tom Brady. Do you hate Tom Brady? Yeah, I hate Tom Brady. I definitely hate Tom Brady. You got a big dream board with like it's just broken got Tom Brady's head on it and arrows in it. Yeah. yeah. Because you're such a huge Bills fan, when was the last time you were this excited about a Buffalo Bills signal caller? I would say never. Never felt this optimistic at all. The future of the franchise is locked in. Let's talk Bills. I'm Eric, and I am joined, as always, by Graham. What's up, Graham? Not much, man. Uh, Just kind of trying to cool off after a, a tough Bills loss. It's been a long week, but we've had some time to digest it. So uh, now is probably the right time to, to have this discussion. Uh, I was cooled off during the week, and now I feel this white hot anger burning. Oh, thank goodness. Because you went. So yeah. Yeah. let's bring those feelings back to the surface, relive what you went through. I think maybe it's just be best to start with what is it like in the environment there? Because you went to London, you watched an NFL game in a non-United uh, States stadium. So it's got to be different, right? The fans are probably different. The food is different. The stadium itself is different than the Bills stadium, although it does reflect what the new Bills stadium is going to look like to a pretty high degree, it sounds like. So right. how was well, it? It was The atmosphere was awesome. And it was cool, too, because like I said, this was my second time being in London for the games. The first one was at Wembley, and it was also against the Jaguars years ago. Um, But this was my second time at a London-based NFL game, and the atmosphere this time was like way different because there were so many Bills fans there. Um, The game before at Wembley, I think the Jaguars were considered the home team, of course, because Shad Khan's um, connection to Wembley. But there weren't as many Bills fans at that game, and there were a ton more just like random fans wearing Vikings gear, Chargers gear, Seahawks gear, you know? So like 50% of the crowd, easily 50% of the crowd was just like, they were just fans of the NFL. Uh, And this crowd was very much a Bills crowd. There were still a lot of interesting jerseys and things like that, uh, but this was a Bills crowd. The atmosphere was awesome. Everybody was pumped after a pretty cool uh, pregame ceremony where they did the national anthem of both the United States and Great Britain. Uh, but, you know, all that, all those good vibes quickly were swept away by pretty putrid showing by our favorite team, I would say. Yeah, I'll agree with that. It was a very frustrating performance. And I think we should spend some time talking about what the Bills did wrong. But before we do that, I just want to get out of the way that I thought the officiating was pathetic and disgusting and just an abomination. (laughs) This was the worst performance by officials that I've seen in years. I've complained about it before, but not every game. And it's not just that the Bills lost. The number of penalties called in this. uh, Let me see if I can find it. There were 19 penalties called in this game. It was insane. Uh, uh, Like, okay, let me, you know, cut in there for a second to continue because I'm going to probably bring you a little bit closer towards me in terms of white hot anger because I'm going to give you, Graham, three reasons why 
meat in the seats games are overrated. All right. Can I do that? You're welcome to try. Reason number one, it is a slog. And speaking of penalties with 19 total penalties in this game and all of the injuries on top of that, and just like TV timeouts and everything, you're just sitting there and it's like, I just want to watch football now. And I wish that I was at home so I could turn on red zone and I could see all the other action going on. Um, and it's just like the worst when there's nothing going on for large portions of the game. And it's just every 10 seconds, it feels like another break or another penalty in this case. Well, can I stop you there in your list? Because that's why I bring this up. This was a pathetic showing for the NFL. Like I kept thinking this whole game and it felt the same watching it on TV. Like it, it felt that way to me. Sure, sure. Home, and it's just the same way as it did to you. So I would say you right. happened to sit through like the worst example of this that I can think but, of in know, recent that's NFL how it memory. Is, that's how it is. At, not to this extent, of course, but that's how it is at every live game. I remember going to a Stanford Cardinal versus a Army Black Knights game way back in the day in college football game. That game was four hours long. It was disgusting. Uh, but it's a slog to be there in the flesh. Uh, and the second reason, awesome stadium. It was like a really cool, the sight lines were great. The concourses are huge. Uh, I hope to God it's not this case. In the Bills stadium, terrible lines and terrible efficiency, pouring beer, getting food out, mm. everything like that. They act like every order of more than one beer is like the first time they've ever heard of such a thing. Because I was literally in line for 20 minutes standing behind seven people. Like there were seven people in front of me. You'd think, okay, they're getting their beers. They're out of here. I waited 20 minutes at the beginning of the third quarter. And uh, yeah, in Germany, that is not a thing. Thankfully, the Germans are smart enough to be like, people are going to order beer. So we should just pour a bunch of beer. And then when they order it, it's there. We can pick it up and give it to them. Uh, in London, they insisted on pouring every single beer and making sure you saw all the foam go down and everything like that. Uh, it's been a while since I've been at a live sporting event back in the U.S., but I hope to God it is not like that when the Bills copy this stadium here because that was ridiculous. I This does not sound like an experience that I've had. Like at the Bills stadium, they're mostly just grabbing a giant can of whatever out of the cooler and cracking oh, it sure. and handing it yeah. to you. And I've not been to Germany, but I've been to a lot of Oktoberfests. And from what I've, oh, it's the exact same thing, bro. From, no. <laughs> from what I understand about German beer, it's just a light or a dark, so it's pretty easy to just have those lined up and ready to go. Yeah. But I get what you're saying. Like this stadium seems like they weren't ready for an NFL crowd, and they don't know what they're doing. So I understand mm, that's probably right. the case well, in mean, a different dude, country. It's not like it's not like NFL fans drink so much more than soccer fans. You Are know? you sure like, about that? Because I've talked to I a lot know. of people who have been to European soccer games, and they say it's nothing like the NFL. Like German or European soccer fans get this reputation for being passionate and wild, Hooligans. right? But not because of being drunks. And it sounds like Americans do have that reputation for football games. Like people are drinking all day and throughout the whole game. So that's kind of like a routine thing here. Yeah, I think I think it's the same. I, I think okay. you know, there's you can't convince me that Americans just drink more than than yeah, it was news to them. But they also have this technology. I, I've not seen this before. I was amazed by this. They have these plastic cups that have like a little thing at the bottom and they just slap the cup down on this thing and it fills up from the bottom. 
but it doesn't seem any beer afterwards. Yeah. It's super cool. And you think with that kind of technology here in the year year of our Lord 2023, that they could uh make these beer lines go a little bit faster, but they didn't. So I don't want to complain about beer lines the whole time. Um, but that was, you know, not a great thing versus being able to be home and uh grab something from the fridge anytime I want. Number three, Graham, replays are great. The big stadium screen there was awesome. And you saw AJ up and S up there. Uh, you know, are you not entertained doing his gladiator uh stance after a little bit, which was really cool. But it's just still in the game. When you're there in the flesh, it's difficult to see sometimes what is going on. And it made me really miss being at home, watching on a screen and seeing everything from a million and one different angles. Um, it just kind of makes you feel a little bit more disconnected from the game. And also just this weird feeling that like at the end of the day, I was like, whoa, Josh Allen threw for 359 yards. It doesn't feel like that when you're there. It's just like these guys compile these stats. It looks like they're sucking for most of the game. And then all of a sudden, yeah, Josh had 359 yards. Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs both went over 100, although it felt very quiet while you were there in the per- in the flesh. Well, that's definitely true. But that also feels like, you know, when you stand on a real football field and you're like, that's five yards, I could do that. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> I could run five yards <laughs> against any defense. But it just looks that way compared to being on TV. I know what you're saying. Yeah. It's absolutely easier and more comfortable to sit and watch the game on your couch. But I have to give you credit for going out there and showing up for our team. You deserve that credit and you should take it. You should not, right. you should not regret. Do not regret. Because you'll go to great games and you'll be thrilled you went to those and you'll go to some bummers and you just have to say you're going to get a little of this and you're going to get a little of that. And that's the way that it goes. But Mm -hmm. you happened to go to the worst officiated and game with most more stoppages than I've seen in the longest time. It just was a terrible game. And the whole time watching it, I was just thinking shame on the NFL for producing such a disgusting product when you're in the middle of trying to promote this to an audience that's not familiar with it. You're trying to get Europeans to care about this and you are showing them the worst you have to offer with this idiot ref crew that's calling everything they can and stopping the game every second. And the other thing is the turf, which the Bills complained about or some Bills complained about. I don't know much about this, but that's a discussion now at every stadium. It's every stadium that's got turf. The players are outraged about it and that's somehow the reason for injuries. I'm not going to jump on that bandwagon and say every stadium needs to have grass. But it does seem to be that a lot of teams are getting on this train of complaining about the quality of these stadiums. So you've got that to throw on there too. Terrible officiating, terrible product, and there happens to be a ton of injuries, whether that's turf related or not. Right. This was an all-time excuse game, and I don't mean that in the sense that like they're undeserved or like cannot be uh, complained about, but you're absolutely right. The amount of penalties, the amount of injuries, the conditions of the turf, according to all players, even even players on the Jaguars said as much, just was like, oh my God, this was terrible. The other thing is, um, though, you know, it's not the NFL's fault that the Bills got caught flat-footed in this game. Absolutely flat-footed. They were terrible in the first half of this game. Like, truly awful. And it made me furious i don't know why like unreasonably furious to read before the game from um you know the bills beat writers on the athletic not including joe buscaglia who is back but 
Uh, at the time, it was Tim Graham, I think, and Matthew Fairbarn. And they were talking about the disadvantage of playing in London. And both of them were basically like, you know, I'm not really convinced that this is a disadvantage because the Jaguars, they've been here already for 10 days. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then they're like, and they probably want to get home. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Is that, are you a stupid person? No, yeah, what, what Jaguars, you are is trying to write about something. They're just pulling anything out of thin air to try to yeah, write a column about it. But you it. know what? Try harder. Yeah, because it's, that's nobody's going to sit there and argue that Jacksonville is the gem of the East Coast and that nobody likes visiting London. That's the dumbest thing that I've ever heard. And I think that there, people are giving or were giving the Bills way too much credit, even before the game started, for their crazy uh, sports science-based approach of flying to the game or flying to the city where the game is being played just two days before the game. Listen. Who came up with that decision? The Bills have been to London before, twice at least. They have indeed. Right? So here's what I'll say. I don't think there's a good way to do this. I don't think there's a way that you you get but there, you beat the jet lag. there's a better way and a worse way. Maybe. There's a better I mean, way and a worse way. I'm, I'm assuming they've done it other ways in the past, right? And that hasn't worked out in the past. I've not done this, but... You hear article. You've read articles of like Russell Wilson did this. He said it's impossible no matter what you do. I guess he was like stretching out on the plane and trying to stay awake for some reason because you can't sleep and you try to beat jet jet lag this way or that way. You can't do it. It's a it's a lose lose situation. So you try whatever you think is going to work this time. Don't pretend that it is the way. It obviously isn't. This didn't work either. I I think the we next spoke- time the NFL says Bills, you're going to London. You say we'll take the L and we'll just put that on the the record as a loss. We're not going <laughs> because it's so dumb to give away home games, to travel across the country and have to drag all your fans all the way to London oh, for yeah, that I crap. Agree. I agree with that. It, forget it. It's stupid. Okay. So we spoke about this. We spoke about the Jaguars player who's played more games in London than any other guy. And yeah, we, we said there's no perfect way to do this. Any way you do it, really, you're going to be fighting jet lag. And yeah, we already kind of moaned and complained about this being a a home game for the bills but like jet lag is very real and you don't get over jet lag in 24 hours but you can kind of mitigate the effects of jet lag over the course of the week and so the approach of coming or arriving in london on friday i think it was and then expecting to play a game on sunday was just like how dumb can you But that's be? not the only factor. You also still need to recover from the last game you played. You need to practice in your own environment for a certain amount of time because who knows what the practice facility and situation is like in London. You have guys that are coming off of injuries that may not be cleared to fly until a certain point. Remember, Von Miller was a maybe. And so guys with certain injury tags are not cleared to fly on planes until they've hit a certain point. So you don't know everything. We yeah. don't have all the information. And I'm, I'm giving the Bills front office the Bring benefit of the doubt and saying, we, we think this might work. Let's give it a shot. It's a terrible situation. Let's try something different. See if it works. It didn't work. But it's, there's didn't no work. right decision. And at the end of the day, if the Bills had won this game, we wouldn't be having this conversation anyway. I don't think you'd be saying, well, we won. But by the way, stupid idea flying in on Thursday. We would just be you know, moving on with our lives. We're looking for those on things. How they, it would certainly depend on how they won because I still expected the Bills to win this game, and I was ready to rage about their uh, terrible showing in the first half anyway. You know, like I fully expected them to win this game and still be complaining about that. 
because it was just awful. And it was clearly a sign in my mind of just like lack of mental focus or I don't know. So in my, in my mind, here's what I think. The defense, despite two more key season-ending injuries, which are just brutal, Matt Milano and Daquan Jones, done for the year. So add that to Trey right. White. This elite defense has just lost three critical starters out of 11 guys, and we're a quarter of the way through the year. Terrible situation to be in. But the defense played great. They held the Jaguars to 25 mm-hmm. points. You've got to win that game. They took the ball away in key moments as the, defense, or as the Jaguars came into the Bills' red zone. A.J. Epineza, another great day. The D sure. did everything they needed to do in the face of insane adversity against a talented Jaguars offense with pieces that are scary. The Bills' right. offense completely dropped the ball. In the first half especially, I'm putting almost everything on play calling and trying to stick to this, this run game that wasn't going anywhere. you got to get away from James Cook. you got to start throwing the ball. And they did that once it became a terrible situation and marched down the field no problem. But this is the game. This is the first game that I put on the game plan and the offensive coordinator. Game one, that's Josh's fault. That's why we lost that. This game, that's on Ken Dorsey. Uh, okay. Agree with the offense. I think the approach was terrible, and I like cannot be more done with this. I don't know what it was, like four yards, uh, depth, an average of four yards on a depth per target, it seems, every single time to Dalton Kincaid. Anytime they want to get him involved, it's like right next to the line of scrimmage. It's ridiculous to me. Uh, the guy has a ton of speed why don't you try to use it somehow um defense though graham even in spite of the injuries this is the the defensive showing by some of the players on here not good kair elam got cooked oh my gosh Calvin Ridley from my seat I kair elam on every yeah, third down kair all day long getting roasted micah hyde man i'm starting to think that he's maybe in the same boat as jordan poyer where still Great instincts, but maybe a step slower than he's been in the past because there were some um, pursuit angles that he took that, yeah, were not the right ones to take uh, in hindsight. And I'm wondering if because of that, because of the, uh, you know, aging, I guess you would say, of the Bills' uh, safety position, including and uh, Tredavious White's season-ending injury, I'm wondering if this just is not ever going to round out into the classic Bills secondary that we've seen in the Sean McDermott area. No, era. it's not. But this is why I don't like sitting around talking about defense. Because if at the end of the day, you've got your defense holding the other team to points in the 20s, you should be winning these games because our offense should be outscoring that. That's it. The defense is just there sure. to do what they can. You're not winning games because of your defense. You've built this team to win games because your team can score, because Josh Allen can do everything, because you've given him weapons and the offensive line is playing better. We should be scoring 30-plus points every single game, no matter who we're playing. Agreed. So if the defense holds the other team to 25, it's the offense's fault that you lost that game. That's it. Yeah, but I think two things can be true. Like I I do think the offense lost in this game. I do not think that the defense had a great game or played great and put that. I think A.J. Epinesa had a great game. I think. Um, ooh, you know who actually stood out to me? Kingsley Jonathan Williams. Well, Kingsley Jonathan. He was awesome. <laughs> no, he was. Uh, he was really thinking, good. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe it. But I'm thinking Dorian Williams. Like, I don't know how he graded out or anything, but I was watching him and I was like, damn, this guy can fly. And um, I was really kind of wondering or scratching my head why Tyrell Dotson got so much playing time. 
So I'm actually with you that I liked what I saw from Dorian Williams. And I read an article this week that said like he should be the replacement for Matt Milano. He graded terribly. So whoever sat and watched this film for pro football focus hated everything he did because he was the second poorest graded defensive player for the Bills. And the first poorest graded player was Matt Milano because he played like two plays and then was done. So um, no, wait, wait, wait. Dorian Williams was graded lower than Kair Elam. Yes. He was. Okay, so this guy, okay, so we can just ignore what this guy says. Then. Well, hey, Pro Football Focus makes their money for a reason. They've got guys sitting there watching every single play and making decisions on, you know, what this guy should have done within this play call and in this situation. I didn't do that. So, yeah, you take this with a grain of salt for sure. But they decided Dorian Williams had a terrible, terrible day. Mm. Kyrie Elam, also bad. More. Also, also a bad day for Kyrie Elam. Um, but defensive players who played well, that passed the eye test and apparently graded well. AJ Epinesa. AJ Epinesa had a great day. Uh, Ed Oliver had a very good day. Terrell Bernard yep, still yep. killing it. And yep. Tyrell Dodson, third highest graded nope. defensive player on this list. Nope. 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 I do not see it. Tyrell Dodson is, to me, the classic linebacker that the Bills have had in defenses of yesteryear. He seems like a classic compiler. Like he is around the ball very often when there's a run in happening or something like that but he also at the same time looked like he was just running around and didn't really know what he was doing as he was running around um anytime there was a passing play my eyes were glued on tyrell dotson because it seemed like he did not know what he was supposed to do i'm just looking here they break it down based on coverage um, and tackling so like he did well in the sense that his pressure on the quarterback was effective. He had a quarterback hit. Um, he had a quarterback hurry. In coverage, there are no numbers on him other than that the receiver he was covering once was targeted and did not make the catch. And he broke up okay, a pass. Cool. So that's pretty much it. Uh, um, in coverage, he wasn't a liability according to these numbers. But like I said, like you should take a, this with a grain of salt. But on the flip oh, side, on the flip side, you and I have not sat watching defensive game game tape like these people have before. So you could watch a game and think you saw Absolutely. something. And really, that's not the case because we just aren't. Right. Trained. And I think it's a little bit of, uh, you know, there's some confirmation bias here, too, because I am a fan of Dorian Williams. I like the pick in general. But I also think that even if Dorian Williams did perform worse than Tyrell Dotson, which, you know, as I said, I did not perceive it to be that way. But even if he did, I'd rather take a young Dorian Williams out there making mistakes than have somebody like Tyrell Dotson, who is a journeyman. He's not going to be developing into anything spectacular. And Dorian Williams got drafted because you think he can develop into something great. And so let him do that. Oh, I'm with you there. Let him take his lumps. I don't care that that this grade is bad on Dorian Williams. You let, let the kid play. That's what you do because you drafted him. And so leave him in there with Terrell Bernard and see what happens. But the numbers are saying he had a bad game, so it's something to keep an eye sure. on. But, Don't care. But like I said, um, the defense wasn't perfect. Still, I want to get to the root of the offense. problem. It's the offense. The offense was bad. Well, I have a question for you first before we get to that. Do you think in the year 2023, it is possible for any offense to be consistent? Because it sure doesn't seem like it. If I look around the league, I feel like there's just one team in the entire league that has been able to perform consistently on offense and that's the 49ers who have like i don't know 
it feels like seven potential pro bowlers and at least five of them all pros on offense right now. Yeah. But other than that, I have not seen any team perform consistent. I think there, or there is a 3D chess game being played by the elite teams in the NFL that I think a lot of us don't consider where we say, oh, the Bills were great last week. They should put up another 40 points this week. And I think you get Sean McDermott and Ken Dorsey and these people in a room saying like, yeah, yeah, we know we can win this way, all right? We know we can win with Josh just throwing the ball all over the place. We know we can do that. What we don't want to do is, A, give every team every play that we have that's successful for us. We don't want to give that away a quarter of the way through the year. And B, let's see if we can find other ways to win games too. The problem I have is they need to give up on those other ways way sooner once you realize that it's not working because they tried to win this game with James Cook early on in the game, picking up yards, running up the middle, doing short stuff and it wasn't working and they weren't picking up their third downs and they were punting early in this game and you need to get away from it immediately. That's what I think is going on here. I think if they could replay this game, Ken Dorsey would just be like, all right, fine, forget it. We're just going to do this the same way we've done the last game, last two games, and we're going to win this game scoring 35 points and he could do it. But I think that there is like you look at the Chiefs, they beat the Broncos by like seven points. Uh, I guess it's more than that. Uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what points. I was thinking as well. You've got the Broncos barely winning Thursday night football against the Broncos, a team that they beat 16 times in a row now. So they're kind of like the class of the league. They're not putting up a lot of points. They're frustrated on the sidelines, throwing their helmets all over the place. And other teams too. The Eagles don't look as dominant as they did a year ago. The Cowboys super struggling. Uh, other AFC teams, I mean, the Chargers seem to put up a lot of points, but their defense is killing them and their decision-making is bad. But I think teams right now are in a mode of we know we're a playoff team or we don't. We don't want to show all of our cards this early in the year. And so we're going to try to keep things fresh and test the limits of what we have around our roster in terms of the things that are not our bread and butter. And a lot of teams, I think, are doing that. But when you get into the backstretch of the year, you're just going to see these teams lock down and say, like, all right, let's go. Let's do what we do well. And then we'll save all the experience from earlier in the year for the playoffs and see if it helps. All right. So you're attributing this to like a little bit of overthinking, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. And trying to be too creative, trying to try new things, get people involved in different ways. And I think Ken Dorsey should have bailed on that real quick. I agree, but I don't think it's like, you know, oh, we know that we could crush these guys by 50 points, but we don't want to pull all of our rabbits out of the hat just yet. You know, I think it's them overthinking it in terms of like, well, the Jaguars defense does this and the Dolphins defense did that. So like we have to approach it completely differently. I think it's, you know, as always, like a week to week thing, your strategy depends on your opponent or it should, I think, in part depend on your opponent. And I do think that because of the different kind of ways that the offseason, the NFL's offseason has changed and preseason, of course, too, the, the approach to preseason and everything, I still think that even in early October, offenses are still trying to hit their stride. And as they integrate players coming back from injuries as well, that plays a major role, you know, with a lot of the teams around the league getting back into the rhythm of things. I think this frustration frustration with Dalton Kincaid is this too. Like, I think the Bills have a book of ways they'd like to use him and they haven't tried it yet. Maybe that's just me being unreasonably Ah. optimistic, but like, I I would, I would guarantee here, I'll bet with you right now. I would guarantee that we're going to get a game one of these days where he's going to have over six catches for somewhere between 75 and hundred yards and a touchdown. It's going to happen at some point. You're going to be like, there it is. They finally went to that 
playbook and they got him involved. Sure. No, I'm not disagreeing with you in terms of I think that he's going to have a breakout, but I don't think it's like, whoa, 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 let's save the Dalton Kincaid breakout uh, game until later on in the season because we don't want to let them know that this is possible. No, I don't think it's that. Oh, case. see, I do, I do think know there's that, that there going teams. on. I think there are teams that are. Yeah. Listen, we know there are eight teams that are going to be in the playoffs. There are eight teams where we could say they're going to be there. And those teams know that too. So they're trying to find ways not just to get to the playoffs, but to win the Super Bowl. And not it's not just getting there. And the Bills are in that group now. So you need to find unique ways to keep other teams guessing. And it goes beyond just how do you win this game? It's how do you win your division? How do you win games late in the year and come into the playoffs hot? All that stuff matters a lot more than these games. And it's frustrating that they lose to the Jaguars in a frustrating way in Europe. But at the end of the day, I think the Bills coaching staff is going to look at this and say, like, all right, all this crap we tried, forget it. We can work on it later in practice, but this didn't work. We got to go back to our bread and butter and just annihilate the Giants at home on Sunday night. And I think I think Mm. that's what's going to happen. I think the Giants are going to get embarrassed this week. All right. This is weird because you and I agree, but like also think about this completely differently. Like, I totally agree that the Bills are just going to be like, okay, we need to kind of go back to our bread and butter and do what we excel at, this and that. But I think it has zero to do with the fact that like, oh, we want to save this for January when we need it. No, I think they're taking a week by week approach and just overthinking it in terms of, uh, you know, how they can. This is a good listener question then, because I think I have more faith in the in the front office, I think these people are smarter than us, and I think they understand a lot more than we do. Speak for yourself, But bro. you think these dullards are just stumbling from one week to the next, doing their best. So, question well, for the listeners. Are teams playing yeah, 3D chess on a week-to-week basis, or are they just trying to get by by trying the next new thing or whatever they think is going to work that week? Yeah. Okay, sure. I mean, that's not exactly how I'd put it, but it's close enough. Here's here's a good way to put it. Would most teams take a loss in October if it meant they learned something that'll help them win a game in January? Because I think you would say they wouldn't. They're just trying to win games. I would say if the Bills learned a lot from this game by trying crazy new things and rolling out a game plan that didn't work, if if they gained information whether it's about their own system or the Jaguars system from this game that they think is going to be useful to them late in the year, they're fine with that. No, that's the thing, though. You and I agree about that. I do think that like September and October are times for them to use different things and see what works and everything like that. Like the Patriots, you know, they are the classic team that everybody talks about September being an extension of the preseason. In years past, they had terrible records in September. Because they knew they could, you know, that things would get ironed out and that they would be more consistent later on in the season. But I don't think that has anything to do with like, we're hiding our best plays and we're not using our best players in the most optimal way. I think they're just still figuring out how to do that. And the thing that worries me about that is that with Ken Dorsey, you know, running this offense, we have never, as Bills fans, really seen this offense consistently perform uh for any extended period of time i mean like you can look back to last season and how they finished with a great record and everything like that and the demar hamlin injury might have had a lot to do with 
how they just kind of flopped out in the playoffs and stuff. But I don't know if that's fair. What does consistency mean? Because through the first quarter of the season, the Bills were the second highest scoring team in the NFL. And they won their last three games by like a combined, it was like 130 to 30 or something like that. So that's pretty consistent. It's, yeah, I mean, if you throw those stats at me, then sure. Three weeks of over 40 points, pretty much. That's consistent. But the end of the season, how did it? Well, I mean, their offense looked terrible. All right, so you have one end of season to judge him on. But I'm saying last year wasn't good. It was his first year as an offensive coordinator. He's shown this year that you can do three games of unbelievable offense. I think the reason it didn't happen this week is they tried something crazy that's stupid. So they've shown they can do it. They didn't do it last week, but we know they can do it. I am blaming Ken Dorsey for this week, though. I'm just not saying that means they can't string together wins with high-performing offensive games. They can do that. It's just they didn't do it last week. Sure. I believe they can, too, but until I see it happen week after week after week and after week. Every See, they just did it week after best. week after week, but they didn't do it after another week, which is what you're saying. They need four in a row. Okay, so who did they? They played the Raiders very well. Who then yeah, went but, on to play close games against every team they've played other than the Bills. But how many points did they score against the Raiders? Remind oh, me. Let me look at their... I mean, if you want to go into what the Bills have done in games against their opponents, I think... You're going to find that you're surprised. 38 did, points. Yeah, they did score against the Raiders. Against the, Raiders. the week after that, they played the Commanders and scored the 37 points. Rousing win. And then the annihilated Dolphins, the Dolphins, as well. who were the class of the league. 48 points. 38, 37, yeah, 48. Hit me once they get a week after week after That's week. That's what after you week needed there. there. Four weeks right. in a row. So sure. you're not happy until it's after week the fourth time. I just. As much as I do think it's hard to have a consistent offense, and as you said, the Chiefs, even the Chiefs, the mighty Chiefs, have not really been consistent on offense this season, I just have my doubts that Ken Dorsey is able to, or or I don't have my doubts. I, I think he could develop into a great offensive coordinator eventually, but I feel like there's just things that he does that he's way too slow to say like this is not working as as just as you said but i think my reasoning is not as you say that he's hiding his grandmaster plan for later it's just he's trying to figure out how to do this with the players he has and it takes him a little bit longer yeah, maybe there's a bit of column a, a bit of column b there but no one's kidding themselves by thinking the chiefs have struggled and so they're in trouble everybody knows when we get to december they're going to be rolling teams and they're going to go into the playoffs hot and the bills are going to do that too and so are the other good teams in the league. Now, if the Bills don't do that, then yeah, that's on Ken Dorsey. He's a problem. Got to figure out what the issue is there. But right now, that's not my concern. I just think this was a stupid game plan and a bad week for him. And they're going to have to go back to just crushing teams by using Josh's arm and throwing the ball like crazy. That's what they need to do. They need to move the ball down the field faster and further on every play. Anyway, I'm sure we could dissect this game all day long and just be frustrated about things. But the biggest problem, I think, is that the defense, which was one of the best defenses in the league, just keeps taking season-ending injury hits. And so you're going to have to start scoring more because as great as Sean's been with this defense so far, you can only expect so much when you've lost your all-pro middle linebacker, the one-technique 
stud in the center of your defensive line. Daquan Jones, far more valuable than anybody's ever given him credit for. And Trey White, your number one cornerback. Like these are big injuries and you can't overcome that for too long. So the offense is going to have to stop screwing around and just go back to scoring 35 points a game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're not going to get, you know, virtuoso performances from AJ Epinesa every he single week. He's a right spot, though. You got to give that man credit because he's been yeah. consistent oh, yeah. over the past few weeks. No, no doubt. I'm not saying that he hasn't been great, but that's just not something that's not a viable strategy to rely on. Okay, AJ, take over yeah, this game I'm for with us. You there. Uh, Maybe Kendall Vickers, though. Yeah, uh, oh, boy, when I saw him come out on the field. <laughs> You know you're in trouble when Kendall Vickers is starting starting right. out a drive right. on the edge. Uh. The other thing that, uh, you know, it, it remains to be seen is how effective Vaughn Miller can be. Um, did he? I read different reports that the Bills decided to, you know, limit his snap count, which I think we were both expecting. But I also read stuff that he left the game early due to an injury. I didn't hear anything um, about and that. And I never really... I never heard anything about it afterwards, but somebody had written that he like was out at the end of the game because of an injury. And I was like, oh, damn. Well, I never heard anything about but, that, uh, but he only played 20 yeah, snaps in this I game. No and I think it was just that they were just trying to manage his snap count. So he's not on the right, injury report. Right. Um, we should say that the Bills re-signed or signed uh, an old familiar face and keyword being old there. Because Josh Norman, yeah. all 35 years of him. <laughs> He's back on the practice. Back I thought you were going to say uh, AJ Klein, actually, because I think they elevated him to the active roster. Yeah. Well, so they are going back to the too, well but, for uh, sure. No, it's it's really scary because obviously Trey White's out. Christian Benford did not play because of his ongoing shoulder injury. Um, but Kyrie Lim is not it. And... I don't know that re-signing Josh Norman is the <laughs> the answer to this problem. I, I'd be curious to see if the Bills make any moves. No, I don't the think they do line. either. But now what you're going to see is like Jamarcus Ingram is probably going to be active and you need guys to be practicing. So I don't think they think Josh Norman's going to be active in games anytime soon, but they're just light on bodies. You need guys to play defense in practice. So call a guy who... You trusted for two seasons five years ago, and why not? He'd like a paycheck. Is it too late to give up on Kyrie Lim? Too late or too early? Too early, sorry. Uh, too early. Yes, it's too early. You haven't let him start enough games yet. I, I think if you're comparing him to Trey White, that's not fair, too, because like Trey just came in his rookie year and was like a savant back there. You can't expect that from Kyrie Elam. I think a lot of even first-round cornerbacks struggle earlier in their career and he hasn't played enough games yet so yeah did he get torched by calvin ridley on like four straight third downs he sure did but i do think it's too early to give up on him i'd like to see them do one of two things and that's either like go all in on kyrie elam and start him every game let him get burned if that's what's going to happen and just see what you have in him or get rid of yeah, him. Yeah, but what does get rid of him I'm mean? I'm sick of this. Get rid of him is like get, take a first <sighs> round draft pick from a year ago and just flush it down the toilet. And get a fifth round pick You wouldn't get basically. that. Yeah, I mean. It, 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 he's not worth yeah. that right now. You you don't have a choice. Well, depends. You on have to play him. Your defense is already just full of yeah, holes. absolutely. You got guys falling left and right. Leave him out but there. I, I am sick of them, you know, as bad as he was this game. He got yanked at the end of it. 
and I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm no NFL coach, but I don't think that's very good for his confidence, which is a very important aspect for a cornerback. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that's great development strategy for your player. But what do I know? That's that's actually a valid question. What do we know? Not much. So let's move on. <laughs> I think our opinions are you know, fun to discuss. But when we get into the conversation about like how to manage a player who you've had on the roster for two years, I don't have that experience. And I think the Bills have shown us that they know how to develop talent and they know how to manage that well. So I trust them. They're going to figure it out with Kair. Look at it. Look at Greg Rousseau. Look at Ed Oliver. Like they're late bloomers. But they're great now. They're very good players. Hmm. So give them. Okay. Boogie Basham. Second round Cody pick. Ford, second round pick. You know? Bad. Sure. Still. High picks. AJ Epinesa until yeah. this year. You know? I think they know what they're doing. And all the while, by the way, you're talking about all these players other than Cody Ford. They're all defensive players. And the Bills have had great defenses the entire time. The whole time, they've had great defenses and they've been struggling to develop their picks early. What is the expression greater than the sum of its parts? Well, the oh, whole absolutely agree. is greater than the Sean sum McDermott, of its parts. Yeah, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. I think Sean McDermott is an excellent defensive coach. There's no doubt about that. The thing that I worry about, and of course, I feel like I, more than you on this pod, get, uh, am a victim of recency bias, for sure. But uh, as I said in the offseason, I wonder sometimes about the development of certain young players or even the choice of certain young players. I said from the start, I wasn't crazy on uh, Kair Elam and I didn't know that he fit the Bills scheme. And so far that has seemed to be, you know, that has seemed to play out, but it is still early on and I still want to see him get as much playing time as possible to really show the Bills. See, I also think too, him. like for every Kair Elam, who's a first round miss potentially you've got fifth round matt milano's and seventh round dane jackson's and taron johnson's and just guys that they've drafted yeah, mid great. to late in drafts that have panned out and been amazing deon dawkins not a first round pick he's your key bookend on the left side of the offensive line well i mean now we're getting into players that sure, we're not deon dawkins not but McBean. trey white you go yeah. back to trey white he is the first and he's been great and that draft is great so I think it's fair to point out that Kyrie Elam might be a miss. He might be, but you can't blame the front office and say they're a terrible uh, evaluator of talent because they have a lot of successes up and down the no, draft. Not so. at all. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, yeah. Maybe. Uh, okay. Should we talk about the upcoming yeah, game then? The New York Giants. Maybe they should change their team name for this game because they don't feel like Giants. They feel like dwarfs the little giants. yeah the little giants great Ooh. great movie um the annexation of puerto <laughs> rico yeah i love that movie uh they movie. the giants or bills east as they've been referred to are coming to Oof. buffalo on sunday night to get just stomped into the earth there was an article that was written about brian dable that is titled this is not what Brian Dable envisioned. <laughs> it's returned to Buffalo mm. because just you could just start with the Giants have been bad. 
last year. Everybody expected them to be good. They made the playoffs. They uh, performed way better than everybody thought they would. Brian Dable got coach, uh, rookie coach of the year. Is that right? Yep. Coach Just of the year. coach, Just of, the coach year. of the year. He was the best coach. Yep. In the, that's a stupid award. It is a dumb award, especially if Bill Belichick, I don't know if he's won it at all. Huh. Yeah. Uh, let's give coach of the year to the coach that wins the Super Bowl. How about that? Every year. Um, <laughs> but anyway, he's got hardware. And then so the NFL said, okay, well, that's our biggest football market, New York City. We'll put the Giants on primetime every single week because now they're good. And they just keep getting embarrassed every single week because it turns out Daniel Jones isn't that great. And the luck that they found at the end of the year with these pieces of receivers they thought they had, it's not working well. They're not putting up points. Their defense is rolling over. Their offensive line is atrocious. And what I haven't even mentioned yet is that all those guys that have been playing terribly but are at least the starters on their team are all hurt now. So they're going down to the second stringers. Uh, So this is going to be a thrashing because the Bills lost embarrassingly last week and they need to prove to their fans that they can just unload on a team that's inferior and that's going to happen. I wish I was as confident as you, Graham. I... There's no doubt about it in my mind. The Bills are a better team, but this is setting itself up for me as the classic, like, okay, this is our get right game. And then we can really start to uh, hit our stride the week after, like after a tough loss in London, I could see the Bills being pissed off playing perhaps too emotionally while also overlooking the Giants as an opponent, the Giants being led in this game by a former Buffalo Bill, Tyrod Taylor, due to Hey, I listened to a lot of uh, Bill's sports radio in the last couple days, and they were having an interesting debate about whether to give Tyrod a standing ovation when he walks out onto the field, because the Bills have been scheduled to play Tyrod twice in the last however long it's been since he was our quarterback. And for one reason or another, he just wasn't the quarterback. So we haven't had the moment of playing against Tyrod yet. Like, remember, he punctured his lung in San Diego, right? Well, <laughs> so we, he would have been the quarterback there, but we didn't get to play him. And then he was the starter in Houston, but got hurt right before we played them, I think, two years ago. So we haven't had this moment. Okay. And he is the quarterback that broke the drought for the Bills. But does he deserve a standing ovation from Bills fans? Um, I don't know. Sure. I don't care. <laughs> Why is that even a topic? Because of the discussion? Bills were in a 20 year playoff drought and he was the quarterback that broke it. Is he a is he a Bills legend? I don't know. Sure. Uh, yeah, he is. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Thought about it. He is a legend. I find that to be an incredibly just dumb question in general. He was super consistent. Also, sometimes because of that consistency, super frustrating because he never made any real wow plays. It didn't feel like. And he was very hesitant to pull the trigger, it seemed, on some deep balls and stuff like that. But always had good stats. Yeah, I don't know. He, I guess, sure, because he led, he broke the drought, then give him a standing ovation. Maybe this surprises you, but I'm on the opposite side. Tyrod's not even like the third best drought quarterback. I think he just got lucky to be. What? No, he's not. Uh, Drew Bledsoe. Ryan Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. Kyle Orton. Drew Bledsoe had one really good better. season. One Kyle year, Orton and it was better. Had that? No, it was. I don't think it was. They had the same record, and he threw Kyle the ball Orton all over the place. Shared time with EJ Manuel. Right? No, Kyle Orton had that season. I mean, Wasn't Manuel it? was on the team, but that was the end of Manuel. 
Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. But it was like, yeah, okay. Uh, but Kyle Orton was the exact same quarterback. No, Kyle Tyrod Orton Taylor was slung it. The rushing yard. Tyrod held the ball and never threw picks because he was afraid to. Right. That's different. But he was also like super uh, good in terms of not putting his team in a bad position because of that same exact reason. And he had, I think, top three running ability in the league during his prime as a bill. So Kyle Orton did not have that at all. I firmly put Tyrod I do Taylor not, but you Orton. at least agree that he's argue, behind Fitz and Bledsoe. He's behind Fitz, but did went eh, no, I wouldn't what? say he's behind Bledsoe. Bledsoe had one great year. Yeah. He had one great year, two thousand. Tyrod maybe, never had a great year. Was it? Tyrod just happened to be the quarterback of some teams that had defenses that could hang in there, and the rest of the AFC wasn't very strong. Well, Tyrod had a good enough year to lead the Bills to the playoffs, Graham. Did Drew Bledsoe ever do that? Did Ryan Fitzpatrick ever do that? Yeah, so you thought this was a stupid conversation, Tyrod but here Taylor, you are defending Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> well, I'm not saying that that I'm not saying that that you know means that he deserves a standing ovation or anything like that. I could not care less about that. But I am firmly in the camp that Tyrod Taylor is he's one B if Ryan Fitzpatrick is one A of Bills drought quarterbacks. Man. I don't think anyone would agree with you on that. Yep. Ask the right, fans. That's fine. We got but two fan polls this week. Drew Bledsoe, Drew Bledsoe had one good year, and did the Bills win anything no, but in that's, that one year? What I'm saying is that's a victim no. of the circumstance of the league at that time. Tyrod Taylor benefits from an AFC that was top-heavy. It was just the Patriots, and then who else? And so some teams had to get in. You go 9-7, and seven, you got a shot. And by the way, they needed a miracle from the Bengals Andy Dalton pulled off an unbelievable miracle play against the Ravens sure. in order to get in. So they wouldn't even have gotten but in if it weren't for that. It should not be overlooked that the Bills coaching staff in that season that Tyrod Taylor led the Bills to the playoffs, the Bills coaching staff was doing everything they could, probably under uh, uh, advisement from Terry Pagula, to get rid of Tyrod Taylor or find a way to not play Tyrod Taylor and not pay Tyrod Taylor because of this whole, I forgot what the whole contract stipulation was or anything, but the Bills were clearly not trying to start Tyrod Taylor. Uh, and they had to, and he led them to the playoffs. So that's, I don't know, kind of cool. Do you know that Kyle Orton threw for over 3,000 yards that one year? Okay. Just looking it up. Tyrod Taylor did that twice. Tyrod Taylor threw for over 3,000 yards? Are you sure about that? Yes. Let's see. Yes. Positive, at least twice, if not all three years. What was his last so. year here? Twenty seventeen, two thousand seventeen. That was when they broke the drought. This is good podcast. Twenty eight hundred in twenty seventeen, <laughs> and that's the year they made the playoffs. Yeah, but he also didn't start every single well, game. You said he threw for three thousand yards. Are you saying he would have if he had started every single game? I said he may have thrown for 3,000 in the year that they made the playoffs. He I did know not he threw in the year they made the playoffs. In the two other seasons. He was short by two other at least 200 yards that year. And now I can't load the next year. Anyway, so ask the listeners. Tyrod Taylor, best quarterback of the drought? I say no. You say maybe. 2016, 3,023 yards. 2015, 3,035 oh, Barely yards. did it. You're right. <laughs> two years. All right. Well, that matters. And that is in 14 games and 15 that games matters. started. It does. All right. Ask the fans. 
Um, I like Tyrod just fine, but I don't think he's the reason they made the playoffs or that's any reason to give him a standing ovation. Long story short, mm, yeah, give him a standing ovation because you disagree. (laughs) All right, so... But let's talk about Tyrod Taylor for a second on this Giants team because it is very eerily similar even to uh, the Bills situation when McBean took over. If you remember, Graham, 2017, uh, Sean McDermott became head coach of the Buffalo Bills and you know utilized the pieces that they had on defense and Tyrod Taylor on offense with his very consistent game to sneak into the playoffs, as you said, partially on the uh, arm talent of the Red Rifle, Andy Dalton. And last season, Daniel Jones surprised everybody by playing out of his mind and leading a super undermanned Giants offense featuring former Buffalo Bill practice squad player Isaiah Hodgins uh, to the playoffs on the backs of this very undermanned offense and very solid performing defense. And Brian Dable, similar to uh, Sean McDermott after his first playoff appearance, toast to the town. And in year two, it is not looking good. But I believe Sean McDermott also went six and ten in his second year as a Bills head coach. That's true, but it's a very different situation because Sean McDermott got the team. Exactly. They draft Josh Allen. They're working out the Kinks rookie year. This is not that. This is the Giants decided not to draft a quarterback because they are going to make Daniel Jones their franchise quarterback, and it's not working out. Dude, but that's what I mean. This is the sort of sliding doors to me almost. What would have happened if the Bills hadn't you know, decided, all right, thanks a lot, Tyrod Taylor, for uh, leading us to the playoffs, but we're done, you know, and we're moving on. If the Bills hadn't done that and had kept Tyrod Taylor on with his contract at the time that would be similar to what the giants i think ended up doing with daniel jones now they still did have to re-sign daniel jones but they just figured you know we can kind of work our way around daniel jones's weaknesses and he's never going to be a premier starter in this league perhaps but what he gives us is good enough and instead of moving on instead of trying to find somebody else in the draft they stuck with him and that decision thus far early on in this season not looking great. Daniel Jones, of course, also out with a neck injury, and he's had a history of neck issues. So that's a little bit scary for for both Daniel Jones and the Giants as yeah, a franchise. Yeah, the Giants are coming into this with a lot of injuries. Saquon Barkley is questionable. He is their offensive leader in most categories. He drives their offense, but he hasn't played a lot. Darren Waller, also the other guy you could argue maybe is what's driving the Giants offense, if it's driving at all. Questionable to play with a groin injury. Mm. They don't have Daniel Jones. He right. will not play. They don't have their uh, who's their their starting tackle. Andrew Thomas, I out. think, is He's still out. questionable. He will as not well. play. Yeah. Um, and then they've got right. Aziz Ojulari, who's their first round edge rusher from two years ago. He will not play in this game either. On the other side of the ball, and that's not even to mention a bunch of guys that are questionable. Um, so they're in massive trouble injury wise. And then you go back to. Who has produced for this team? Like you said, Isaiah Hodgins, they pull him off the Bills practice squad, and he had a good season last year. Through five games, he's got 100 receiving yards. Yeah. Well, that's just kind of... One touchdown, 14 targets. How terrible their offense has been. And if Barkley doesn't play in this game, 
I don't know how the Giants are going to get a first down, even against a Bills defense that's Barkley. Yeah, if he doesn't oh, play, okay. it, yeah, yeah. what are you going to do? So okay. I don't know. Let's go through the positional rankings here. I suspect it might be uh, a a total, I don't know, blowout. This might be the first shutout. We'll see if it is or isn't. But uh, we will see. It's it's pretty lopsided. So want to start with quarterback? It's Josh Allen, the quarterback that the Bills drafted to get rid of Tyrod Taylor and Tyrod Taylor. Who would you rather have in this game? <laughs> I think it's so Josh too. But I like Graham, Josh. Let me, uh, let me hit you with another stat here, huh? In the two years that Tyrod Taylor passed for over three thousand yards in a Bills uniform, he also ran for over five hundred in each season. Sixty yards. Yeah, in that's each pretty of those cool. Seasons as well. I also was looking at the Kyle Orton numbers yeah. that season. He did throw for over three thousand yards, but in only twelve games because then he got hurt. Yeah, wow. I mean, listen, we were season ticket holders that year. That was the year that all of our friends got tickets together, and he was great. He was a lot of fun. But still, that was a flashier flash in the three years we had Tyrod or whatever that was. Did he ever make a Pro Bowl? Tyrod Taylor did. Pro Bowl is stupid, though, because they they invite half the league to the Pro Bowl, and then a quarter of those guys say no thanks, and so then they invite the other half. Yeah, Tyler Huntley <laughs> made the Pro Bowl last season. Uh, all right, so Tyra Taylor, you know, I don't know how mobile he is but these days, but he was known when he was a starter as being one of the most mobile quarterbacks in the league, and you wonder if he, I don't know, can maybe bring some, some juice to this just morbid Good word. Giants offense. Um, thanks, man. Uh, running back, though. I, without Saquon Barkley, it's not even close. Like Matt Breda, I don't understand why they're still trying to make him a thing. He's averaging under three yards per carry this season and never really, you know, struck me as being as good as the Bills seemed to think he was when he was playing for the Bills. Uh, It always just felt like, you know, the opposite of Jimbo where he would try to break a run and never get anything off of it. So I'm going to give it to the Bills. Yeah, Josh Allen, in spite of... Last week's poor performance from the team, Josh Allen was actually pretty great. He did a lot of impressive things on offense. And in the moments when the offense needed to quick get down the field and score touchdowns, he made it happen. He had a pretty good day. Um, And he can still take over a game and win that game for you, no matter who you're playing. So I take Josh for sure. Right. All right. We agree. What do you think about the wide receivers? I like our wide receivers a lot better than their wide receivers. I would take. Hmm. Let's look at their receiving group. Over anyone they have, over Wondale Robinson, Isaiah over anyone Hodgins. they have, yeah, I would take Diggs, Davis, um, even Hardy has played better than I don't think any of these guys. I would take him. Oh, oh, we didn't talk about Hardy real quick. Jacksonville Jaguars game. He had that yeah. long catch. And got up and tried to make more yards for himself. Just run out of bounds, bro. It was right before the two-minute warning. That was just a knucklehead play. Yeah, I maybe. Think. I don't remember the situation there, but I remember thinking it was pretty impressive that Josh found that little dude that far down the field, and he had that much separation. Um, right. Yeah, and other than that, I mean, are we talking tight ends here? But Because if we're not, then maybe I wouldn't put Trent Sherfield or Baby Legs 
although baby legs did some cool stuff in the last game too but yeah i think any of those three guys i just named are better than anyone the giants have playing the wide receiver position agreed absolutely agreed uh they did draft Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee, the guy who I was Tennessee. Yep, the deep threat who I was worried about. He's averaging almost twenty five yards. He per has catch, the same receiving yards almost as Isaiah Hodgins on a third of the targets. <laughs> so maybe he'll turn right. out to be good. Yep. But. Yeah, but Darren Waller, he's their leading receiver. He's not even having a great season, I don't think. Uh, from well, they are giving him all the chances. Take... They've thrown the ball to him thirty-three sure, times, right. and I wish the Bills and would he's do only that caught it twenty-three of those times for a total of two hundred and thirty-nine yards. So he's who's driving this right. offense. If anyone's moving the ball, it's him. But he's also questionable to play in this game. He's got a groin injury, so I still wouldn't take him over Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid. Although Dawson Knox is also questionable to play in this game. So I would not uh, if it ends up being oh. Why? Uh, let's see. What is his listed injury? He has been limited in practice all week long. Um, arm, an arm injury. Huh. I, okay. I think it's shoulder. Oof. Actually, I remember them saying more specifically. But mm. uh, yeah, I take the bills here, assuming Dawson Knox does a, eventually play. Mm. Okay. Yep. Me too. Uh, offensive line, as we mentioned, Andrew Thomas is out for this game. I believe their center is out as well, right? John, John Michael Schmitz, Jacob. that's his real name. <laughs> it's actually John Michael Schmitz Jr., so it's kind of, you know, same, uh, same syllable <laughs> amount maybe. But uh, Andrew Thomas is out. Joshua, as, as you do. you do. I remember him. Is his replacement. Didn't is we that, draft him in yeah, our mock draft? I think he was on, one, I think he was on <laughs> your, your rookie yeah, uh, draft once when he was in a Bills uniform, right? He wasn't he in a Bills uniform? He was a oh, practice. No, I don't squad think player so. I think we like mock that. drafted him. Oh, we yeah. mock drafted. Okay, that's why it sounds familiar. Yep, because yep. he was picked last Joshua, year. As you do. Yep, we did mock draft. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but without Andrew Thomas, who is you know, make no mistake about it, he is one of the better offensive linemen in all of football. And if you care about pro football focus, they've Uh, got, as you do, ranked as the third worst tackle in the NFL, only surpassed barely by their right tackle, Evan Neal, the second worst tackle in the NFL. So I don't know who the worst is, but these two are two and three. (laughs) It's early. Evan Neal, I think, is a second year player, but he is not looking like it right now. He is, uh, he's a turnstile. But all of their offensive line is so. Bills I for go sure. With the Bills uh, the Deion Dawkins injury last week was concerning, but it sounds like he's going to play and he'll be okay. So I take the Bills O line. Sure. Uh, D line. All right. D line is the only place for me where it's close. I would say because they have some maulers up front. They have Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, both very above average defensive tackles. In the league, I think Leonard Williams might be considered a, a defensive end, though, because they're like a base got him him as an defense. In, here as an interior but, D lineman, but yeah, okay, yeah, I think he is more or less an interior. But Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, very, very good. Then Kayvon Thibodeau, um, top ten pick from a couple. I think it was last year. He was a top ten pick, um, maybe even top five, and he's having a pretty good season, but. Um, yeah, he's no AJ Epinesa. Nope. You know what I mean? He's not, and neither is their other starting defensive end, 
Ashawn uh, Robinson. I've got Boogie Basham here right. listed as their starting right end if they were to play with a front four. Yep. Really? Okay. So I've got the three fours, Ashawn Robinson, Dexter Lawrence, and Leonard Williams. And then uh, it's Aziz Olojuari, who I guess is probably out, as you said, uh, and Kayvon Thibodeau. On uh, I take the bills. Defense. I think they're going to continue to work in Von Miller in limited doses. But even with what they've got, like Kingsley Jonathan's been playing great. AJ Epinez has been playing great. I think you give them more of a workload. The concern is can Tim Settle and Puna Ford fill the gap for Daquan Jones because losing him stinks. But Ed Oliver right. has still been playing great. So I take Buffalo. We agree. All right, linebacker. linebacker because of the injury to Matt Milano, this is one where... Right, because we don't know what's going on. Are we going to see Tyrell Dodson out there? Are we going to see Dorian Williams? I mean, we know Terrell Bernard is going to be a starter and he's going to ball like he has been all season. But the uncertainty at the other position you know, makes me wonder about this. And the Giants, I know Bobby Okariki a little bit because he played with the, uh, I don't know him personally, but he played for the Colts and was pretty good with the Colts. And he, I think, has been pretty good so far with the Giants. His yep, first he's season been there. doing all right. Uh, also, Isaiah Simmons, who was a highly drafted player, I think the Cardinals originally got him and then they picked yeah. him up in a trade this year from them. Um, so those two, I think, I think they present a he's lot of no potential. Good, and the, that's what the Bills have, too. A lot of potential sure. at linebacker. I don't know. Maybe we can give this one to the Giants because of the unknown here for the Bills. Terrell Bernard has been playing great, but it is only a quarter of a season, and we don't even know who the other linebacker will be. So maybe I give the Giants this one. Mm. I'm going to go with the Bills. I like Dorian Williams. As yeah, I bet you I... do. He's on your fantasy team. As long as I... Duh. Yeah, on my yeah. I'm not suggesting again? you drafted him to play re- okay. receiver or something. Yeah. Have you ever done that? Have you ever played a fantasy league where yes, you draft an and indif- so uh, individual defensive player? It's not yeah, fun. They stink. I hate those leagues. I used to like it when I first started playing fantasy football, and then it became a slog trying each and every week to find the linebacker that was. Well, and, the, and whoever's got JJ Watt just would clean up or whatever, you know. Right. Yeah, that was the thing, too. Um, All right. I'm giving it to the Bills at linebacker. Going on to the secondary, the Giants have Trey Hawkins, the third listed as a starter. And Deontay Banks, who is the other starter. And I think Adore Jackson is on this. Dorian Jackson. Adore Jackson. He played. He was a first round pick by the Titans and has kind of bounced around a little bit. But uh, you forgot yeah, to yeah, mention Cordell Flott. He's not listed as that's a real name of an actual person who Cord- plays for the Giants. Oh, yeah. He is their starting Cordell slot Flott. corner. That's cool. <laughs> uh, even that's with nice. the pile of injuries that the Bills have at corner, I still take Taron Johnson still playing. Christian Benford is back. He's going to play in this game. I think Dane Jackson will okay. play, that's, that but he's be been limited question. in practice this week. So that would be a problem if he doesn't play. But they've still got enough depth that I take the Bills corners here. They at least have two to three guys who are solid. And then Kair is like their project. Whereas the Giants, they just got a whole bunch of projects, a bunch of guys that are all liabilities and coverage. You got to take the Bills. Sure. Yeah. I wonder why Adore Jackson's not starting for this team. But yeah, I give it to the Bills at cornerback as well. Um, safety. Safety, Grand. You've start. been 
a little bit critical of Hyde and Poyer throughout the season, mostly due to age, I think. But between the two of them, I still think they're one of the most reliable uh, back secondaries that any team in the NFL has. They don't have the speed that they did when they were in their early 20s, obviously. But you can put the speed on the corners and let the smart and space um, savvy safeties manage the back of the Bills defense. And they've been doing a nice job with that for the most part. So I take Hyden Poyer still over most safeties. And I'm definitely going to take them this week over Jason Pinnock and uh, what's his name? Xavier McKinney. Um, because the two these two guys, although they grade better than most of the Giants defense, these are the two that are hanging in there they're still not up to the standard that the Bills have. No team is, really. I, don't, I mean, you said the Dolphins might have until the Bills lit them up, but I still think we have great safeties that most teams don't. Sure. Uh, yeah, I would agree that the Bills still have a superior safety tandem compared to the Giants, but like I said, I noticed earlier uh, in the in the earlier games at Jordan Poyer before he was out for an injury was looking very slow at times and certainly not his athletic self and uh, in London from my seats it looked like Micah Hyde had either taken really bad pursuit angles or had misjudged his own you know loss of speed on some plays so uh, definitely not to the standard that we're used to seeing them play but Maybe it's just early season rust being shaken off because both these guys missed some time last season as well. So uh, in spite of that, I am also going to take them over Jason Pinnock and Xavier McKinney. But Xavier McKinney is very good. He's a good young player. Um, don't know much about Jason Pinnock. Okay. Special teams. Um, can't complain about much with the Bills special teams, so I guess I still give it to us. Sure. Graham Gano and Jamie Gillen. I think Jamie Gillen is that long-haired Scottish punter uh, who screwed the pooch with the uh, Cleveland Browns, if I'm not mistaken, a few seasons ago. He had some crazy <laughs> botched. Well, punt you can't attempt, trust if that. I'm not mistaken. So, got to give it to us. No, you can't. And he does have a sick nickname, though. That the is Scottish cool. Hammer. We need to give Sam Martin that a is cool really nickname. Cool. Is he Scottish? He's French, probably, uh, right? The French baguette. There you go. Why? Oh, good job, Graham. <laughs> Maybe don't call the Bills social media. Uh, I'm sure they are going to hear it on the episode and shake to it a little bit more. Yeah, right, right, right. Okay. Uh, coaching staff. I mean, how many Coach of the Year awards does That's Sean true. McDermott if you just have, line up Graham? the hardware, you got to give it to the Giants here. But uh, I don't care about the hardware, so I am taking the Bills coaching staff. The offense should have done better last week, but I think they'll improve this week, and I have a lot more faith in the entirety of the Bills coaching staff than I do in the Giants. All right, so we you agree. actually picked a, a Bills sweep. I did not. I gave the Giants their linebackers, but other than that, it looks to be a slaughter. Yeah, you did. What's the score going to be? Oof. You know, these bills cost me my second lock of the year That's true. Uh, last week. And so I'm a little bit, you know, still munching on sour grapes over here about that. But hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping, I'm hoping my instincts about, you know, the bills oh, perhaps overlooking this undermanned giant squad. Hopefully that's all wrong and they get right 
Once again, another get right game. 38. Oh, nine. I was going to say 35, 10. I'll stick with that though. Nice. All, All right. right. Survivor picks. Um, you mentioned that the bills Ooh. cost you one last week. Do I get to pick first this week? I think I do. Sure. Give me well, some time. The Dolphins are hosting the Panthers, and that seems like low hanging fruit. And I don't want to take another strike, so I'm going to take them at home. Boo. I will go with the Philadelphia Eagles over Ooh, the New York the Jets. Jets have been playing well. That'll be a fun one. They have been. All right. Well, thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. Uh, enjoy the Sunday night game. Hopefully some of you guys are going out there. It's always fun to watch a home game in prime time. And I feel like the Bills don't play on Sunday night very often. Mm. Go Bills. Right. Go Bills. Go Bills.